Welcome to Launched. I'm Charlie Chapman, and today I'm excited to bring you one of the developers behind the fantastic Castro podcast app, Oshin Prendival. Oshin, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Charlie. Good to good to be here with you. So uh, before we get into Castro, uh, I kind of want to give everybody a primer on who you are and kind of your history leading up to this. So usually I ask everybody three questions, but for you, I feel like just personally, I'm very curious about kind of your, your whole career leading up to now, because uh, you used to have a podcast called Super Top, where you talked about a lot of this stuff but i i kind of entered the ios indie developer scene late in the game and so i've only like heard snippets and kind of i've pieced together this small path of your history but i i would just love to like kind of get a rundown of where you came from and how you got into this world and what led you to uh castro where you're at now uh and led you to vancouver so i guess to start off where are you from <laughs> uh, i was i'm from ireland i was born in dublin and uh yeah we grew up on, in limerick on the other side of ireland it's i mean ireland is pretty small anyhow so i always think like yeah in ireland we're like oh that's the other side of the country but it's like it's a two-hour it's a two-hour yeah. hour drive outside of dublin <laughs> <laughs> and there, there was like sort of a whole ios developer community in was it in dublin specifically or was it just ireland um yeah the the community yeah it was mo- like it was kind of all around ireland and i think there was kind of there was a part of it up north and then a part that kind of started in dublin as well um and like yeah they used to, people would some people would travel to dublin specifically to for the meetups and stuff like that but um and yeah i think there was some cr- collaboration with people up north as well but like, i i wasn't around at the kind of start of that community it was kind of a bit later that i came into it okay so how did you get into it in the first place then did you have a computer science degree like did you go through university yeah my degree was in multimedia so it was a lot more broad it was like yeah we did all sorts of stuff in there like from graphic design to bits of audio video kind of everything little bits of, of programming kind of some javascript uh we did like flash <laughs> action script yeah yeah and like, yes like what was it i don't even think it was php like some kind of asp or something yeah P- yeah all sorts of like just kind of some very basic programming concepts or whatever um and then after that, I like I worked at an animation studio for a while. Oh wow! Mostly making tea. Making what? <laughs> tea. Oh tea. And coffee. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, like <laughs> doing some kind of grunt work around the place. Um, I did end up doing like I can. I think I was there for six months, and towards the end, I was I did do some kind of visual, some basic visual effects for a short film they were working on, and then uh, I was like. Yeah, that was kind of the peak of my animation <laughs> career. <laughs> well, you say that, but uh, there is very clearly those influences in your work, at least in Castro, because that is very animation heavy. <laughs> yeah, I'm a fan. Of, I'm, I'm, yeah, I never actually pieced those pieces. I never actually drew a line between those two pieces before. But yeah, maybe there is more of a line there than I thought. But yeah, from there, then I went and I started working with a friend of mine, John. Uh, he was working on a bunch of freelance kind of web projects for people. So it was all kind of like odd bits and pieces, like little pieces of front end, back end stuff around web, made like CD-ROMs for people, like <laughs> a lot of it was flash stuff. Um, and yeah, but that was kind of the start of being independent and and just like but all kind of client-based stuff. Um, and then the iOS side of things was like a few years later, um, kind of came out of, uh, yeah, kind of 
continued with that career, but like started traveling and was working for clients like while on the road. I was traveling, traveled from New York, uh, kind of then down through Mexico and Central America down to Colombia and Ecuador and oh, was wow. working for different client, working for clients in Ireland at the time, or at least for the first like year of that trip. But it got more, <laughs> basically it, was, it wasn't, the work was starting to dry up coming from home because I wasn't there. Um, and the, I had this like dream of like, oh, well, if I like just if I got into like iPhone stuff, maybe I could just become like independently wealthy and <laughs> I wouldn't have to have clients. <laughs> so it was when I was in Colombia on that trip is when I started kind of teaching myself. Well, through the Stanford, the Apple had these like Stanford lectures at the time kind of teaching Objective-C and Coco. OK, I've heard lots of people mention those because they just did like an update or something recently, right? Yeah, they were great. I haven't I haven't kept an eye on what's going on with them lately uh but yeah for years I was recommending that to people cuz yeah basically yeah I went through that in Colombia and with the goal with with a very specific goal of like the first so the first app that I re- released was called My Artists and it was kind of a music app like an alternative to using the built-in music app um and I think that's my thing is usually I just get annoyed with like the way built-in apps are and then just want to make something slightly different. <laughs> and then you became independently wealthy and uh, never had and to I, work again, right? <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I've just been like living in the glory of that ever since. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was good to have that go. It was like, yeah, all the, all the, all the learning of all the Objective-C and all the Coco stuff that I was learning was like very focused towards like making that app. Um, which, yeah, so I think it like it took me maybe six or seven months or something to kind of get up to speed with Objective C and get that that app released. And yeah, I mean, it was it had a, like it was in the early days of Mac Stories. Like I got it, like Federico did a write up about oh, it man. on Mac Stories, uh, and like launch day went super well. Like I think I made like a thousand dollars or something on launch day, and then I made a thousand dollars the second day as well. And I was like, oh my god, this is it! Like I'm make, just going to be making a thousand dollars a day for the rest of my life. I was so convinced. I was like planning out like my, like what I was going to do with all. Like I was like <laughs> so naive, and like within a week, within a week, it was like making like three dollars a day or something. Like <laughs> it's like James Thompson's story of when the App Store first launched. So nobody knew what what the trend lines could look like and they saw like you know almost a whole week's worth of these crazy numbers and they're like oh my gosh we're all going to be just millionaires like drowning in cash uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was so i so i know what it's i do know what it's like to be a millionaire but only because i was in my head <laughs> <laughs> you know what it's like to and feel i was like so convinced of it that i was like yeah this is this is happening i am making at least 350 grand a year for the rest of my life <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, but I mean, it sounds like it was at least successful to a degree. Like, uh, you know, it caught the attention of of the press and everything. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it got yeah, it got some coverage. I, and um, yeah, I don't think I think beyond maybe that first initial launch, it was more just that. Yeah, I kept working on it for another good while after that. Um, and yeah, but was still doing a good bit of client work as as well. Kind of after once I got back home, got back to Ireland again after that after that trip, um, and started doing some work as well for for different clients around Dublin. Um, but I was always like I never t- had took a full time job because I was just like so. It was kind of ridiculous, like because like my artist was making like not really making any money at all anymore. But I was just still so convinced that like I just needed to keep on like plugging away into it or whatever so the next update will uh make this huge yeah so i did like 
yeah, I'd take on contracts and do stuff or like, even if I took on a longer contract, I would always be like, hey, look, I can, I'm working an absolute maximum, like two or three days for anyone because I want to have like the other days for myself. And yeah, that was, so yeah, at the start, it was like uh, just myself working on that. Um, Podrick, uh, Podrick Kennedy, um, who is, was the other founder of Castro eventually, uh, we started working together a few years before Castro came out on, and yeah, we had a few other apps and projects together. So, so I guess I am interested in that, that whole lead up. So like one, how did you meet Padraig in the first place? Was that through that iOS community? We knew we were actually to, he was in, he did multimedia. He was in multimedia as well, oh, okay. actually in, in Dublin. Uh, so, but he, 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 it wasn't, the course wasn't for him. He decided the course wasn't for him. So he was in it for like the first year. So I do remember him from then. Uh, but then he went off and that, that did other stuff. Um, and it was years later. Um, I remembered him from there, but like we had a friend in common who was the same friend who was the first friend who I started working freelance with. Um, and I was, yeah, it was around, it was just after the first, uh, the first iPhone came out. Uh, cause I remember I was meeting our friend John in a place in Dublin and Podrick was there and he had the, he had like an iPhone that he had like bought in California or something. It was the first iPhone that I'd ever seen. Uh, so yeah, then we, <laughs> then I got an iPhone soon enough after that. And I like, like I texted John being like, Hey, do you have Podrick's phone number? Cause I needed to figure out how to jailbreak the phone. So then, um, this is before you could, actually build apps uh, properly without jailbreaking yeah 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 I, I, yeah i couldn't do anything without jailbreaking it like i couldn't even like make phone calls on it without jailbreaking <laughs> um I, I don't think i could do i couldn't the only thing i could do without because i couldn't even activate it so it right. was like there was no carrier that it supported before i jail jailbroke it i couldn't like it was like i could f- like do an emergency call or i could just like play with the swipe to unlock which which was pretty fun but uh <laughs> <laughs> Podrick helped me anyway get a jail broken and yeah we kind of stayed in touch a, a good bit more after that and uh started working on projects together and so your your first app that you guys did at least under the like super top banner was that tokens mm-hmm. and yeah tokens was the the promo code one and that's it, interestingly that it was just recently uh, a big update was done to it through with new owners. Um, yeah, I was delighted to see that because I I totally missed that when it happened, um, and I think it was like a month later. Uh, it was just last week or a couple of weeks ago that uh, um, I know I saw that like yeah the tokens two had come out and yeah it had just in app yeah a bunch of stuff that we always wanted it to do that we like <laughs> uh, and yeah it's it's great to like. There's something amazing about, there's something really lovely about seeing work still going on on, on something that like, that used to be your baby, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, uh, your idea is sort of being sort of carried forward. And I guess I haven't said, but tokens was an app for, uh, or at least now I'm more familiar with it now, uh, is for like generating promo codes because doing it through app store connect that uh, apple provides is extremely cumbersome and so it's a mac app that lets you do that much more conveniently that was was that the original premise yeah exactly well i mean the original idea i mean <laughs> our original idea was that we wanted to make a mac app that like replaced would entirely <laughs> i thought it was just ludicrous that we thought we could do this but we, like we wanted to entirely replace itunes connect app store connect as it's called now okay uh but like 
and just have like a native experience like on on everything and then we, we that was the initial goal uh but then we decided okay let's just we'll just let's test it out first of all with this one tiny part of itunes connect which is the promo codes one um but i mean with that took so much work yeah it's i, I yeah Sometimes I just look back at my pre- past self and I'm like, oh, it's so, he was so cute how optimistic <laughs> he was. <laughs> I think earlier this year, uh, somebody came out with n- uh, an app called Native Connect that's kind of trying to do the same thing. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah, Sweet. yeah. It's it's like, uh, obviously, there's more API access than there was back then. Um, but I think even even now, it's they're probably having to do all sorts of interesting uh, uh creative ways of making that work <laughs> yeah no yeah even i mean yeah it changed because it, it changed over time as well like i know like the, the first version of tokens involved a lot of like it was a lot of like um scraping like web pages right. and like parsing like literally parsing like the html and like pulling stuff out of that um but, but there was in later years they ended up like there was an unofficial um kind of json API that we could kind of backwards engineer out of the out of the web page and, and get working in our app. But um yeah, so that kind of that made it a little bit handier. So so tokens was was that like was that under your sort of super top banner uh, at that time or was it just the first app you did? Uh I don't think we I didn't I don't think that was our first like hey like let do you want to work on a project together? Um oh well no do you want to work on a uh, we had worked on web projects together. That was our first time. We hadn't come up. We hadn't decided like, oh, we need a name yet right. at that stage. I think because it, mo- I think the re- main reason why we ended up deciding we need a name was when we released the first version of Castro because we needed a name to like have a name on the App Store. So oh, that's right. how we ended up with Supertop, um, which was <laughs> which Supertop was because Podrick had this website called which Podrick has. I think he probably still has it. I'm not sure, but see it supercrazyawesome.com, which he used for uh, this iPhone backup extractor that he had at the time. I'm not sure what's on supercrazyawesome.com right now, but I'll, I'm not going to check. <laughs> and uh, I, when I had the, under, with the, my first app, the My Artist one, I was, I called myself, like the, under the moniker of top drawer apps, which was because my granddad used to always tell all these really bad jokes and like I don't like I just mean cheesy jokes and but he would tell these really cheesy jokes and then he'd start like roaring laughing and say like oh that's one out of the top drawer and then <laughs> yeah so it was kind of top drawer apps was kind of a tribute to to my granddad and this, and then yeah so what when Podrick and I needed a name to go together, it was like the super from Super Crazy Awesome and the top ah. from Top <laughs> That's where that's super kind of awesome, actually. Uh, <laughs> so you're better than me. I I spend all my time coming up with naming and structure uh, for for like what the business marketing should be before actually coming up with the business or implementing yeah, anything. It's pretty- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've I definitely I probably have. Does it? Did, I have there's things like that that I do as well. I probably have pages of notes of like ideas that are like just trying to get the name right and stuff. But some sometimes things just happen. <laughs> so uh, so tokens came out. Was that like a uh, big success, small failure, somewhere in between? Small small success, I'd say. The like, and it kept ticking over a little bit. But it was 
like I hope and I'm hoping that for the new guys who are working on it and I, I just think our revenue model were <laughs> didn't really make sense it was like once off ever like upfront payment of $30 $29 yeah which we would put on they ended up inevitably putting on sale at different times or whatever people would have bought it for $9 and $19 and then um, and it's not even that we had huge like the server it's not that the server was like a huge expense or whatever but it's just that even just for to like keep money coming into the business it was like it it just wasn't sustainable the market wasn't big enough uh for there to be constant new people coming in to sort of keep fueling development yeah yeah absolutely and also and it was like in a way it was a development tool but like so but it wasn't something that people would use like super frequently like except there was a rare number of people who would like who were like doing a lot of marketing or like were in companies that had like like a hundred apps or something that would 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 be using it very frequently but like for most most developers it's like even our even ourselves with our apps it's like it wasn't something we realized afterwards we were like yeah you don't really have the chance to like get into somebody's head all that much when it's like maybe once or twice a year you send out some promo codes so um it's in like bursts around releases yeah so the pain point maybe wasn't like great enough in a way so then what was after that that was castro came castro was our next project okay. after that basically um which start we started that in like 2013 we uh went to we went to wwdc that was the year that ios 7 was announced okay. um, our plan had been we were going to wwdc i think that was my first time ever going there um and then we, we were going to come up here to Vancouver afterwards and like work on our ne- figure out our, what our next project was going to be after tokens. We were we were totally sure beforehand that it was going to be a Mac app and some other Mac app or some other developer service. Um, but yeah, with the uh, it was kind yeah with it was kind of the mood <laughs> in San Francisco around the launch of iOS seven and this like this mood that like oh things are changing that like just this it, that just made us like Apple is putting all this attention on iOS this year. Um, people are excited about like a new, like a completely different look. Um, we just kind of thought like, oh, there's going to be opportunity here maybe to like, to, to release something like in this time, like, um, like when everything is changing. Um, so yeah, that was, we decided to focus on iOS and pretty quickly. We just, I think even before we had left San Francisco, we had decided it was going to be a podcast app. And what led you down the podcast app route? I mean, it's not very like it's pretty much like. I mean, (laughs) like we we liked podcasts and we didn't we weren't crazy about the apps, so we were like, okay, let's make one. (laughs) It's not like it's like so. It's pretty naive, but uh, well, I mean, I think that makes sense. But well, one thing in particular about podcasts was like. Uh, the one thing that I do remember from our mentality at t- the time was that, like, uh, what, what we really wanted to make something that people used a lot. So, like, even not even even if we didn't necessarily have aspirations of like, oh yeah, we, this is going to be like the, we're going to be like the biggest podcast app ever, and like there's going to be millions and millions of people using it. But if it was going to be like a few thousand people using it they were who really loved it they like they were going to be using it every day and there's that was there was just something after tokens of being like realizing hey like we made this thing we put a lot of effort into it like we really even even with this thing that we 
people were hardly using, but we were still trying to like get the details right and get all the little bits and pieces right. But we realized that like, yeah, but if we make a podcast app and we get the little bits and pieces right, like there's more chance that people are actually going to end up yeah. noticing those little bits and pieces because they're using it like much more frequently. So it kind of gave us license to like sweat the details, I think a little bit more when we could think that like there's more chance that like people will actually notice and appreciate it. Not still the best business plan ever, but uh, <laughs> it was. <laughs> I've, I've kind of had that realization somewhat recently too. Uh, I stumbled into, you know, a white noise uh, generator app and yeah, I just did it because it is something I could learn all this stuff with. But I realized, you know, as I'm like wanting to try something different, going through my list of, you know, obscenely long list of app ideas, none of them are like daily use things. And that's the thing that I just lucked on with this white noise thing is that the people who do use it, either they use it when they go to sleep. So they literally use it every night or they use it when they work, which is frequently, right? Or probably. Uh, so it, like people appreciate all these like little details, like you're saying, if it's an app that they're opening up every day and using. Yeah, totally. Whereas a lot of my ideas are like, oh, this will save me a lot of time once or twice a month, but I almost can't really excuse spending all the little time on these little small details if you're only ever going to use it that often. Yeah, yeah, that totally, to totally identify with that. So then I guess we won't get into it, but you also, you've done some other apps under Supertop, right? Like you guys created uh, Unread? Yeah, oh, well, we uh, we bought Unread from Jared. Jared Sinclair created it. Oh, okay. Um, and then we bought it from him after, yeah, it was kind of, we went through this, yeah, we <laughs> we went through different phases where we were like, okay, the, how like we we bought on red and took that on because we thought like okay at the time we thought okay the only way to actually be properly successful is if like we have to have lots of apps so we're like we diversity like okay tokens is not huge but it still is bringing in a little bit. Castro had a good launch and then was bringing in just a, like a little bit as well, um, and we were working up towards castro 2 which we ended up spending like wait like it, we spent two years basically working on an, on a on the for on the major update to castro which was basically we, we was essentially was another app basically i mean we called it castro 2 so we kept the castro name but like basically we just made a different podcast app and kept the same name <laughs> but um uh but in the run-up to that then yeah we took on on red um so yeah, it was like we thought like, oh, we have to have like all these different, like a little bit coming from here, a little bit from here. And then eventually it got to a point where we were like, no, like we, we, we we're not able to pay enough attention to tokens. We're not able to pay enough attention to any, to any, any of them. So like then we were, that's when we started kind of selling each of the other ones off, like not, not for huge amounts of money or anything, but just kind of like we can't really pay the attention to unread our tokens anymore. So we, and we ended up selling them. Right kind of get it off your plate oh there was another app called top hat as well that was for like app store sales reports things but i think that i think we literally made about 57 dollars <laughs> something like that <laughs> so with with castro then uh on on that even initial version um what was sort of the the sort of like guiding light i guess <laughs> be pretty <laughs> yeah <laughs> we were like even after it came out, we were like, we really struggled with like marketing materials and stuff like that or like writings, anything about it because the, our main guiding principle was like, just like be as pretty as possible. <laughs> um, and 
yeah, it was pretty basic that first one. Like it had one, it had basically two tabs. Uh, and yeah, one listed your podcast. One was an ordered list of your own, on, of your own played episodes. Um, that was, that was essentially it. So it didn't have the like inbox system, queuing system. No, that came with, that came later with, with Castro too. Okay. So the first one was very, yeah, it was like just, yeah, very basic and all about being kind of, it was kind of about experimenting with that new kind of iOS 7 aesthetic. And it was like, there was a lot of kind of transparency and tin fonts and, um, blurry, uh, like uh, blurry effects and, and that kind of stuff. Like, it, I mean, I'm still quite, I still quite like it. Uh, I still, it still works. It's still, so I mean, I still end, still end up in there every once in a while, usually because universal links breaks or something. No, <laughs> like something <laughs> happens and I, some app kicks me out to Castro one instead of like the current Castro, but, uh, and then I just, I'm like, oh, I'll take a little look around in here just since I'm here. And so that, that literally was a different app then, right? Because, uh, Castro two was like a paid update. It wasn't subscription based at that point. Yeah. Well, that was our way. Yeah. It was like a paid update. We were like, okay, we need another launch day. We need like basically try to make our money for the next year. And <laughs> for like, it's like, yeah, we need another launch day. <laughs> <laughs> to get us through the winter <laughs> and so with castro 2 then that was when is that when you introduced the uh the inbox queuing system yeah yeah that was when yeah the yeah inbox and queue and which is pretty much the same system that we still have today so um it's hard to even remember castro 2 happened like so slowly like literally it took us two years and i'm i can't even remember really the origins of some <laughs> of the ideas or whatever it's like they kind of formed over time and then eventually like just out of the like just out of different convictions we had that like i one say was just like we hated the term like played or on like the idea of the things being played or unplayed and we hated even like <laughs> see like thinking about like downloads and stuff like that or any yeah it's just that <laughs> the yeah it, and then it all just kind of came together not, I'm not, I mean, very, very slowly. <laughs> was um, it, I mean, was it mostly, it sounds like it was kind of based on like you and Patrick's uh, like preferences and sort of how it felt to use. Yeah, pretty much. It was very personal to us in that way. Yeah. I To yeah. me, like when I describe Castro to people, well, the first thing I ever say is that it's, it's beautiful. And I'm me being a person obsessed with like animations. It's just full of uh, really awesome animations. But I feel like the real defining feature from a like user, normal user perspective is that that inbox system because it's it kind of it almost treats your podcast like like a task list, which sounds weird. But in reality, that's how I feel like most people actually view their uh, their podcast. Like people complain that their podcast queue has gotten too long. Um, And Castro has just such an interesting, different way of managing it where it feels it just sort of owns the fact that this it is like a to-do list at least in most people's minds and you're just going to go through this list and sort things by i care about this i don't care about that um and it makes it feel like you don't have this giant list of stuff that you need to sort of manage because it guides you through that process i guess is that does that make sense as a way of describing it you'd probably be able to explain it better than me yeah that's the that's the, yeah i mean that's i find like i'm never really good at like giving the l i'm never really good at like on the spot giving the pitch to people <laughs> i've kind of started getting a little bit better at it but like it, but 
we're able to write it at least and we're able to market it that way and that was one thing that we and like that we did notice that was like a real relief when it came around to actually like launching Castro 2 was we were like oh we actually have stuff like to talk about besides like hey it's pretty it's like <laughs> hey this is like for people who want to subscribe to lots of shows don't necessarily want to listen to every single episode of a show that they subscribe to um but and they also want to take the burden off of like when they subs- they don't they want to feel okay about like hey i'm going to subscribe to like lots and lots of shows and that this app is going to help them like get through like listen to as many shows as they can but without getting overwhelmed or feeling like they have to like declare like podcast bankruptcy or whatever (laughs) like every every couple of months because there's just too much stuff there um um and there's definitely still a lot more that we can do about that like and we have plans for like a a next big version which is going to like help deal with your queue as well in 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 some new and different ways um but yeah it was all kind of around this idea of like having one central one central playlist as opposed to well, even calling it a playlist sometimes gets us into trouble because it's not, it's, it's, it is a playlist essentially, but it's not necessarily in the same way as playlists are in, in, in all other apps. So whenever that launched, how, how was that? Did that like concept resonate well with people? Yeah, I think that launch went pretty well. Um, the emotions of launch day are like so hard because it's like you get excited, you get nervous, you get scared, and then, there's something kind of anticlimactic afterwards as well. Like, it, yeah, it launched and it went, I think it went pretty well for, again, it's always like things go well for a few days and then they come back down. Um, um, I guess, the, yeah, the hope is that the floor kind of r- like keeps rising up, like what it's going to goes to launch back down to after that. Um, but I don't, I think only since, only in the last few years, really, since like, and since like going to subscription pricing and stuff like that to, to I really get like a real sense of stability and of like, okay, yeah, like I like I can, I don't end up looking at them all that often these days now because I kind of focus just more on the development side of things. But like, I can go and like look at iTunes Connect or look at wherever we have all our different sales reports and all the stuff coming in and like be like, just feel like okay, yeah, this feels like it's under control and it's growing and. And it feels reliable. Um, and it, there's some variance to it, obviously. Um, but I think switching to subscription has, yeah, was, was a, was a big part of, of making it, of it ever getting to a point where it felt like stable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about that. Like, uh, I, I mean, I feel like I can ask the question, what led you to do that? But I mean, I think you just articulated it well. Uh, you were having to do these big, updates and that's where you made all your sales and then it would just drop off and uh if you wanted to keep growing the app uh, and keep working on it that's really the only way to kind of get reliable revenue is that an accurate reason yeah it's like it's just a constant it's like like it's just this like constant hunt essentially for new users new users new users and as opposed to necessarily being able to just have a focus on, yeah, you, I mean, we still have to find new users and it still is like great, like to like grow and expand and like have a, be getting a bigger user base, but it's the focus is a lot more on like keeping the, keeping the users who are already using the app right satisfied and like, yeah, convincing a few, like, well, I mean, we have ads now as well. So it's like, yeah, if they want to just use it for free, make like, 
to show them some ads uh, if they want to to upgrade like that's all cool too so it's like yeah it's but it, the focus is just more on around like keeping people using the app rather than this constant hunt for new users every single month basically and uh, just the, even the emotional even because even when like what's the word for manic like this manic thing where you like you get so excited by good days and then so depressed essentially even by bad days and never yeah this lack of stability around it as well so i think yeah it was quite an it, it sounds emotional like yeah it sounds like it was an emotional reason but also it was like yeah it it was also kind of it was the last thing that we could try it was like subscription either has to work or else like this won't work <laughs> i think it had uh, it had genuinely gotten to that point yeah yeah so going along with that you also switched to uh like it was free right uh up front which was not the case before right or was it a paid uh, like a paid upgrade we went from a paid app let me think we had everything i think we that yeah <laughs> we had we were paid up we were free app with once off in our purchase uh we were and then we were yeah free app with subscription um oh and we even copied we copied marco our, we, we were a free app with like patronage as well after like we basically copied marco Arment's business strategy there but like 100 did not work for us i don't know if it worked for marco either in the end <laughs> but uh yeah that was like we just did anything we could think of essentially like we we drew at it uh subscription stock luckily <laughs> so was that transition uh like painful uh, in terms of i mean you know there's all the horror stories of users getting angry or was it relatively smooth yeah i think i'm sure it was i, I, th- I think if it's it's a couple it's more than a couple of years ago at this stage now since any one of these big transitions so like i'm maybe if we record like if we went back in time and i asked myself then maybe i was more annoyed than i think in my <laughs> it wasn't so traumatizing that uh <laughs> you instantly said yes so <laughs> in my head like in my head i had if it happened now at least or if i was talking to somebody who was going through it now i would just i would in, I'd like to think that I would be able to like filter out any of the negativity and just be like, look, this is the, this is, this transition is the only way for us to have any hope of like keep being able to make this app that you like using. And yeah, if you want, if you want to complain about paying more again or whatever, like that's cool, complain away, but like I'm not going to let it get to me. Um, but I'm sure there were days when it did get to me as well. But, um, I don't know. It's easier in 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 the distant past to, to think that i was like <laughs> was very nonchalant and, and cool and yeah <laughs> so since then though you guys have kept adding interesting uh interesting new features i feel like uh it seems like a lot of the things that come out of your team and i guess we should say that too that's also allowed you to to hire right or well i guess that wasn't subscription that was uh in part the the sell, sale to tiny mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was like when two years ago, just about, yeah, around two years ago, uh, we sold the app to Tiny, or well, 80% of it anyhow, um, to Tiny here in uh, Vancouver, um, and Podrick and I stayed on as employees then, and yeah, we've been able to hire since then, um, and yeah, it's, yeah, it's been a different experience, and I, and we've been able, to, we were able to kind of 
tailor our roles then to be more around like the stuff that we want to do every day right uh, so like say work jesse hurlitz works with us now he's kind of i mean it's weird having titles there still is just a couple <laughs> of like not just it's we're still tiny oh well that's not an un, unintended <laughs> there but yeah jesse is like manager general manager i guess but like of I think I'm the only one who's technically an employee. And then we have another couple of contractors who we do some stuff with as well at the moment. But, um, but, but yeah, Jesse does like design stuff and kind of the, gen- the management side of stuff. Anything about finances, like I just don't. I mean, maybe that's why I feel even a little bit easier to just be like, oh, I don't worry about yeah, if I wouldn't worry about it if anybody was complaining about the price. Because the thing is, if anybody is complaining about the price right now, Jesse is the one who's going to hear <laughs> about it probably more than me. So uh, it's been easier to focus on the parts of it that kind of that I get a lot of enjoyment out of and I mean, not, don't get me wrong. Like I did love in a way, even though it was difficult, like the, the years and years of having to be responsible for every part of it. Um, like I loved that. And like it made like just having that kind of sense of attachment to the, to the work that you're doing. Um, like was powerful. Um, and I think, and now I think this, like in a way, feeling like a little bit more detached from some of the financial side of things and that kind of thing is cool. It, but for I think the reason why that's I still find that so satisfying I think is because I still get to work on the thing that me and Podrick made and that we went through all that to make. I'm not sure how good of a like just a general employee I would be on like an app that wasn't something that like I, I feel like I like put my blood and tears into. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cause that was kind of what I was going to ask. Is like. I feel like when when you or a small group of people build a thing from scratch, like part of your identity is wrapped up in that thing, um, which yeah. can be really exciting when people are saying really nice things about it. But it can also make just regular criticisms of the app, which or or just support requests, feel almost like personal attacks. So so it has this weird you know sort of trade off of again you tying your personal self to this thing that you made, and I'm curious if if the like sharing that with with a company not even just another partner but like like you said you're sort of detached from the the financial side of it now and while the product is still you to a degree do you feel like a little bit freed sort of emotionally or whatever you'd want to call that uh from from that kind of connection or do you still feel like you have this really strong you know emotional like this is me well obviously it's not just this is me and Padraig like it was before it's diff. It's definitely different. Like, and it def. Like, I'm still struggling. I think to find language about it that doesn't <laughs> sound pe- pejorative in some sense because it's. It is actually. It does feel like a like a, a positive thing, but like the words that I did, like the verbs, like don't. I can't find the right verbs to convey it because, like, say, I talked about. I think I said. I, I because say I talked about like detachment earlier on, like, uh, but that doesn't. Yeah, I don't know. It, I just I don't. It, that, it some of these verbs just have these like negative connotations, but it's. I I know exactly what you're getting at. I think, which is what I was sort of trying to dance around too, is like this. It's like <laughs> detachment makes it sound like you don't care about it anymore, which isn't true. It's more like it. There is a degree of unhealthy attachment, not attachment, but like again, wrapping up your identity with this thing. Yeah, and having a little bit of separation, I feel like would make it 
feel a little bit healthier. You'd take things less personally. You wouldn't put in, you know, you wouldn't stay up at night the same way that you would when you feel like it's yourself. And that's, that's like healthy. It feels like. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Stay. It's like, I talked about it feeling manic at times earlier on because, and like that was like in, we were talking about the money side of things at that time, but that could be from everything that can be about like how it feels from open up, up Twitter on any particular day, you could feel great about it or terrible about it or yeah, checking the support um, or checking the sales reports, all that side of things. Like it was very up and down and like daily, weekly, monthly. Uh, so yeah, you had like these amazing highs and but also these lows. And now it just feels like it feels a lot more stable. But behind it, there is like this sense that I really enjoy of like, yeah, it is this much more stable, healthier, personal thing for me now, like in my, in my, my daily, weekly, monthly life. Um, so it, it doesn't affect me emotionally in the ways that it used to, but underlying like everything that I do is this like sense of pride that I have that like, it, even though it does feel a bit more like I have this regular job now, um, I know that like foundation of that job is like like Potter and me built that like we and it's not like we've built it <laughs> I, it's a tiny it's a small company like it's not that we've gone and like built something that changed the world or whatever but we did b- built something that we liked and that like is now the foundation of is this small company that i get to work for and yeah, there is something. And and people are interacting with the thing that you made. Yeah. Uh, in, in particular, there's so many of these little delightful interactions as well. And each one of those, you're bringing joy, a little bit of joy to lots of people on a daily basis. That alone has to just feel, I don't know, special. Yeah. More than a normal job. I forget about that. I forget about that sometimes, I think, especially since, yeah, it's nice to be reminded of that. <laughs> yeah, I, I get... Uh, Again, because it's a, a white noise app that a lot of people use either for sleeping or for trying to get babies to sleep. Uh, I get a decent amount of little messages of like clearly strung out people who are just like, you help my daughter get to sleep. You know, I made an app that makes a train sound or something, right? Like, it's not like I did something crazy, but it feels so special when you get this little tiny like anecdote of a real person's life that you had a small interaction with that was positive. Yeah. And I don't know that it's one of those things about software development, but especially iOS development because they're such personal things uh, that it's just really, I don't know. It's really cool. And podcasts are so like for me, uh, I mean, we're recording one right now. Right. But like, it's such an important part or, or a big part of a lot of people's lives, especially right now where you don't get to sit down and have long conversations with people as much as you used to. And to get to like, listen to other people have that is a genuinely like big part of my life and having an app that makes that experience fun. But even, even if it's just doing the most bare bones things, it's part of this positive thing. And that, I don't know. I just think that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like it's just, it's so personal to people like, and that's why people end up with these like super strong opinions about like which app is brilliant and which app is terrible. And and that's why there can, that's how there can even be like, even with Apple and even with all the big players and like, there can still be like this collection of like smaller independent apps that like have their, like, uh, I hate using the word niche, but like to have their niches or that like just have their 
I have the people that like using them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like it's like email. Every, although with email apps, there's no good email app. Is that the the, the phrase? But everybody, it's like such a generic thing that everybody wants to use slightly differently. Um, and it's yeah, really cool yeah. how podcasts are built on this open platform that allows uh, smaller players to come in and build something that is perfect for a certain group of people. Um, and yeah, I, you mentioned it. Like what? It feels like the podcast space. I mean, honestly, over the last ten years, it feels like every couple months the podcast space is about to change radically. But especially in the last two or three years, it feels like there's been a lot of action and money with Spotify, and then everybody reacting to Spotify. Does that uh, like impact how you're sort of driving your your app and your company, or are you sort of just like we have our smaller you know, specific group of people that are really happy. And because of your subscription, you can kind of keep, keep those people happy. Yeah. I think it just makes us be like, I mean, we keep an eye on it. I've never would, I've always been focused so much on like the user experience side of things. And so like more than on like business analysis side of it. So like maybe in theory, I should be scared of Spotify, but, and this is going to sound arrogant or something, but like, this could just be me being silly, but I don't get scared of Spotify in my head just because I go and I try to listen to a podcast in Spotify and I'm like, this is horrible. <laughs> and I, but I, I know loads of people do, but then, uh, uh, slightly more business side of things is that like, I think Spotify was more, is more like bringing more people into podcasting necessarily than, than taking users away. Maybe, maybe it's taking users away from, uh, from Apple more than from the, from us smaller players i haven't really seen like the only thing that's had any negative impact on our on our user base lately it has been um uh, getting banned from china basically we had quite a few users from in china oh, before. right yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's the only but um but that i mean that was on users and i guess yeah on some ad, ad impressions but it wasn't we didn't it wasn't we didn't have a huge amount of revenue coming from china but we in terms of like monthly active users and and ad impressions and stuff yeah that definitely went down a bit after um yeah a few different podcast apps i think got banned from china at the same time um but spotify or yeah any of the none this stuff hasn't we haven't really noticed it in terms of like our trajectory it hasn't really seemed to to take away from anything yeah from my like super ignorant uh layman perspective on this it it kind of has seemed like Spotify is just introducing more and more people into that space. Um, yeah. The bigger like threat, I guess from Spotify is sort of the potential threat to the open podcast, you know, RSS base, which would obviously make it hard. Like if a podcast is, is only on Spotify, then they're sort of pulling that off of the open, you know, RSS, uh, the open podcast uh, ecosystem as a whole. And so like no third party apps, but also not, you know, Apple podcasts. And I guess, I guess that's the, the saving grace there is like Apple doesn't seem to be reneging on their uh, sort of benevolent use of their uh, catalog so far. Right. Yeah, no, not yet. And I mean, the thing, but the thing is, even if Apple does, like, I feel like some other open directory could spring, like if Apple really did just was like, hey, no, we're not having an open directory at all anymore. I feel like a replacement, I feel like something would replace it. But the exclusive podcast side of things, I mean, it is interesting in a sense, but I just, I I don't think it's fundamentally a a threat to the whole of podcasting because 
and people are into their superstars, but they're also into like their the people who work in the same field as them, for example, having a podcast or like like much more like not famous people having podcasts uh, and when like somebody who listens to this podcast and and also listens to Joe Rogan like I, it is not really a difference it's not that like well when they're listening to it they're like oh now I'm listening to like like Joe Rogan is not more important than you for your listeners like they maybe they listen to both maybe they listen to one or, or sorry maybe they I'm I'm making this point kind of badly but like podcasting I don't think is necessarily built out of just the superstars it's not just the big ones at the top it's the fact that there are so many small shows that like even like with hundreds or thousands of of listeners can still be like are still important and like and for those people like it's not it doesn't make sense for anybody starting a new podcast to just be like oh I'm just go- only going to put this on Spotify because you're like why like why limit yourself that way like joe rogan will limit himself that way before a hundred million dollars but like um i don't see why the like the vast majority of people would ever limit themselves to be like only go on one platform yeah i i feel like it's too late for spotify to be sort of the youtube of of podcasts it's too easy there's too many other players uh they can't just like sort of completely take over in that way. And so as long as there's multiple players, then it feels like this sort of open ecosystem will, will thrive. And there's been enough superstar podcasts. Like how long ago did serial come out? You know? Uh, mm. Cause whenever serial came out, wasn't it like everything's about to change. Coca-Cola is going to start advertising. And now, <laughs> you know, all these little small podcasts are going to become nothing. And it feels like, like you just said, like the, the Joe Garogans are coexisting along with your two person comedy uh, podcasts just fine. And the industry is still moving forward. I don't I don't think we're going to see some massive change in the industry um, aside from sort of the interestingness of Apple and Spotify. I don't know if there's any other people. They're like buying up these networks. And so presumably there's a bunch of money getting injected. But like you said, it, it feels like that's sort of a rising tide situation where it's just making more and more people comfortable with podcasts, which means more and more people are going to be using Spotify and go, I wish it could do X, Y, Z. And when they Google, how do I make Spotify do X, Y, Z? They'll find somebody that says, hey, you should try this third party app. It does this better and it can get all your shows too. And so it kind of yeah. helps everybody. Yeah, That's the that's the theory. Anyhow, <laughs> I'm sticking with it. <laughs> Oh man. All right. Well, uh, to wrap this up and I don't know if you saw this, uh, I, I sent this to you late, so uh, I apologize and feel free to skip this question if, if you didn't have time. But, uh, I always ask everybody to end the show, uh, what's a person or people out there that have inspired you and your work that you'd recommend other people check out? Um, well, yeah, I saw that just a few minutes before we started recording. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry. Like, well, I was... <laughs> I'm, so, I mean, there's the two people closest to me who, like, work-wise, who, um, like, I don't think I would have been working in, like, without John Ryan, who's the guy that I was talking about earlier, who I started working with um, after after university. Like, I that that's what really started me, like, being freelance in the first place at all. He's, like, John D. John D. Ryan on, on Twitter. He works at uh, Google now. Um, 
and and Padraig Kennedy, who we've been talking about earlier on as well, who was my partner at Supertop, uh, and he, he works for Apple. Actually, that's funny that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, he's he's Pod, he's Padraig on uh, on Twitter, P A D or A I G. So in terms of like having those, are the two guys who like had the most impact on like my career personally. Um, and in terms of like aspirational, like I feel like this is not that original but i still it's just still true like i mean aspirationally like uh like like cable and 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 steven and everybody at, at panic was always like was the kind of guiding light in a sense of like of like what Podrick and i aspire towards um so yeah i mean i mean yeah I, panics i just yeah panics work it has just always kind of been there as like yeah an aspirational goal and yeah actually Podrick and i got to work with them for a couple of months in uh 2014 i think it was and that was like that was <laughs> that was a moment of like i guess a career highlight in terms of getting to feeling like getting to work with our heroes in a sense so that was pretty sweet yeah i feel like panic and and that group have left like a long shadow in the entire like sort of apple development world uh as somebody who came in late uh, and never like i used a mac back then but i didn't really understand that whole the sort of delightful mac app you know lickable apps or whatever that i miss that era but it feels like their influences are just everywhere like this sort of obsession over small details and delightfulness, even when, you know, maybe it's not necessarily needed. Uh, people give a lot of credit, I feel like, to to Apple, which makes sense. But I, I do feel like that company and, and those, those two guys uh, are also just a big part of that because um, you can feel it in everybody I've talked to in this industry. Yeah, yeah, huge. Yeah, it was so exciting to see Cable on the on the uh, app on the one more thing Apple yeah. thing the other day. Cable and his beautiful mustache yeah. <laughs> playing his keyboard. <laughs> yeah, it was so good. Yeah, yeah, that that was pretty awesome. Oh man, awesome! Well, thank you, thank you so much uh, for coming on. This is like I say this a lot because a lot of the people I've had on, I still can't believe will come and talk to me. But uh, Castro is it would be in my category of apps that are strongly influential to me uh, especially given that i've made an audio app the amount of times i've opened and closed your different uh uh dialogues or uh like player uh menu to like figure out how a certain animation works and try to replicate it poorly uh <laughs> is pretty frequent <laughs> so i i have noticed a lot of the little details that you've done and uh, i really appreciate that well that's great thanks charlie it was it was great talking to you yeah, as I said earlier, it's also nice to have a nice, um, be reminded of some of those things. Um, but yeah, it was lovely, really lovely chatting to you. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to discuss the show, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Chucky C or tweet the show directly at launched FM. You can also discuss the episode with me, other listeners, and sometimes our guests on our dedicated subreddit r slash launched FM. If you like the show, I'd really appreciate a rating or review in Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Breaker, or whatever your podcast of choice happens to be. And you can find show notes and more at launchedfm.com.
Welcome to Launched. I'm Charlie Chapman, and today I'm excited to bring you one of the developers behind the fantastic Castro Pot. Yeah, behind the fantastic Pod. <laughs> wow. All right. 